Fee's arms snipping away at the cable around his wrists. Ow! And watch the wrists, too. I'm starting to think you're as badly concussed as I am. Said EX-9B. A moment later, Obig felt the cable slacken and his wrists were free. He rubbed at them before shuffling back against the wall and untying his ankles. Instead of getting up, however, he draped the cable back over his ankles to give the illusion that he was still tied up. Now, Nibs, he said, here's what I want you to do. Rillick! Rillick heard the Mary Allen calling from the other room. His voice sounded feeble, like the weak fool he was. A broad grin split Rillick's face. He got up from the pilot's chair, where he'd been entering coordinates into the ship's navigation systems. He knew he shouldn't gloat. It was a failing, really. The urge to lord it over those whom you'd bettered. But it made him feel good, and he wanted to see the look on the do-gooder's face when he realized his friends wouldn't be coming back for him. Rillick walked to the common area, his grin growing even broader at the sight of the bedraggled medic. Still tied up and slumped against the wall. He lifted his head as Rillick entered the room, his eyes looking watery and confused. Why? said Obik. Rillick shrugged. You were in my way, just like the others. The others? Rock and those fools he brought with him, Jonath and the rest. Obik's eyes widened in shock. So you were the reason they went missing? Well, me and a few helpful monsters, said Rillick. But yes, I was the one who sent them to their deaths. I found those creatures down in the old mines, where they'd been sealed away for millennia. So I set them free. A distraction to keep people away from all those precious minerals. He sniffed. And it worked, too. Suddenly, all the old stories came true. The rest of the miners fled. No one wanted to come back to Cologne. Except me, of course. And those stupid Pathfinders. But I soon dealt with them. He laughed as Obik tried feebly to wrestle against his restraints. His arms remained pinned behind his back. What are you doing this for? What else? Said Rillick. Credits. While the Grand Council back on Abydos is busy cozying up to the Republic, there's billions of credits worth of minerals still in those mines, just waiting to be sold to the highest bidder. Rillick rubbed his hands together, thinking of the luxury it was all going to bring. And given there's a war raging between Iram and Erina at the moment, there are plenty such bidders. He coughed, his lungs burning. You're profiteering. From a war. From people's death and misery, said Obik. Life is nothing but death and misery. And what about me? All those years I put into those mines, and what did I get? The miner's curse. He patted his chest, which led to a spluttering cough. I don't have long. You know it as well as I do. I have to do something to make sure I enjoy what's left of my life. I've already explained, said Obik. I can help you. The Republic can help you. I'm already synthesizing a trial cure. The Miri Allen's eyes were pleading. Stop this now, and we can forget it ever happened. I want to help you, Rillick. Rillick sneered. Just like all the others. Too busy thinking about other people to look after your own. Obik narrowed his eyes. What do you mean? Your friends. It's too late for them. Just like it's too late for me. The creatures will hunt down your Jedi out there in the wilderness, where there's nowhere to hide, and the others have gone to the ruined city. What's at the ruined city? Only death, said Rillick, flashing his teeth. 
He coughed again. His head was starting to swim, and the vision in his right eye was growing hazy, almost as if he were peering through a faceted lens or stone. Enough talking now, said the hovering droid behind him. But Rillick turned just as EX-9B discharged enough electrical current into the Catacoot's body to make all his fur stand on end before he dropped unconscious to the floor. You heard him, said Obik, huffing as he tied Rillick's ankles and wrists with the same cables he'd been bound with just a few moments before. The others are in danger, said EX-9B. I don't know. The comms might still be down, but it's gotta be worth a try, replied Obik. See if you can reach Salandro and Ruper. Confirmed EX-9B. The droid opened a channel. Chapter 28 The first Ruper knew they were under attack was when she heard the whooshing sound of Salandro's lightsaber igniting. She flicked her eyes left and saw four hulking shapes emerging from the gloom. Her lightsabers flared to life in her fists, and she pivoted, acting purely on instinct, swinging around to run toward the threat as she'd been trained. Ruper tried to squash down her doubts, her rising sense of fear. She could do this, and she had two Jedi Masters at her side. She clutched the hilts of her lightsabers tighter and swung out wide to meet the oncoming creature on the right flank. They'd been running through the rocky landscape for an hour, having passed through the mangroves without incident. No more hungry animals, and no sign of the monsters. Until now. But here they were, charging out of the shadows, just as Rock had warned them. Hunters, coming for them in the night. Salandro's lightsaber flashed as it hummed through the air, cutting down one of the creatures as it pressed its attack. It crumpled backward, black shards spilling from its innards as it sprawled on the rocks. The others shrieked, throwing their heads back to scream into the empty night. The sound was piercing, like breaking glass. As lightning flickered overhead, Rupert got her first proper look at the things. Rock had been right. They did look like Catacoot, only much taller, broader, and infinitely more terrifying. Rupert felt the ill intent radiating off them through the forest. Like a swirling stream of deep purple, it clotted around them, dark and malignant. These were not just wild, hungry creatures like the beasts they'd met in the mangroves. These were monsters in the truest sense, and all they wanted was to tear the Jedi apart. Creatures born of the dark. Rupert closed in narrowing the distance between herself and the one on the right. Her lightsabers flashed defensively as she tried to narrow its angle of attack. But she hadn't been expecting the creatures to be able to fly. As the tips of her lightsabers swung low, mere centimeters from the creature's chest, it coiled its legs and sprang, launching up and over her head. Surprised, Rupert craned her neck, watching as the creature unfurled its leathery wings, wheeling around in the air and dropping into a dive, feet first. Its talons gleamed, sharp and dangerous. Rupert barely had time to flip herself forward into a roll, using the force to cushion her landing as the creature struck the ground behind her, talons raking sparks from the black rock. As she sprang back up, she saw that both Rock and Salandro had engaged with the other two creatures, lightsabers humming. Rupert twisted to avoid a lashing forearm. The creature hissed, air rattling through its cage of needle-like teeth. She thrust forward with one lightsaber, swinging in from the other direction with the second. But the creature skittered backward, using the rocks for purchase. The lightsabers sang harmlessly through empty space. Rupert gritted her teeth. The creature threw its wings out to either side, emitting another shriek as it shot up into the air again, whirling around like a liquid shadow. 
Rupert struggled to see it clearly against the backdrop of the black storm clouds and almost missed its next dive, dancing to the side just as it came down again almost on top of her. She felt its claws rake the cloth of her robes, opening a wide gash down her sleeve, but luckily missing her flesh by mere centimeters. The creature wasted no time, springing straight back into the air as soon as its feet touched the ground. Ruper searched the sky, but the creature was too fast, too well camouflaged. It was like fighting air, and she knew now how these things had managed to get the better of Malik and the others. How they'd been able to injure a master like Rock, especially as they'd been caught unawares. Movement on her left, she twisted, bringing one lightsaber around while protecting her torso with the other. She was grateful she did as the creature lurched, altering its trajectory to avoid the blades. It had fainted, trying to cause her to expose her belly. And now it was back in the air again and difficult to see. She knew what she had to do. Rupert closed her eyes. She reached out with the Force. The Force is with me. I am one with the Force. Around her, the world became a blur of swirling grays and livid purples. The bright lights of Salandro and Rock were the only punctuation in a wasteland from which life had long been leached. The creatures, though, still held some impression in the Force, although not much. She could see them as ominous knots of black and purple swirling in the air above. She breathed and felt calm wash over her, soothing her jangling nerves. From above, the creature dived. Rupert adjusted her stance. The creature was almost there on top of her. Its dark intentions bubbled through the forest like an alarm threatening to drown out all else, to blot out her own color as if she had never existed. But still she held on, and on, until it was too late for the creature to alter its course. Her lightsabers flashed, completing a circular motion. Rupert opened her eyes. The creature lay at her feet, sliced straight through the middle, but more disturbing than the sight of the body was the fact that there was nothing spilling from the creature's remains, but a mass of dark black minerals. Rupert dropped into a crouch. It was just as Rock had described back at the temple. Shimmering black crystals, like uncut diamonds, had tumbled out where her lightsabers had passed through the creature's body. She frowned. Powering off her weapons, she stirred the black crystals with her fingers. Rock's theory made an odd kind of sense. The creatures weren't truly alive. Not in the sense that they had once been. That was why they were nothing but smudges in her vision of the Force. The thing before her was just the shell of a being. Colonized by the minerals and twisted into something evil. It had been dead for a long time. Rupert stood. Turning to see Rock standing over another of the creatures lying still on the ground. Rock had been showered in the same little black crystals, brushing them off his shoulder with his free hand as his lightsaber extinguished in his other fist. Beyond him, Salandra was still fighting, but clearly had the upper hand. As Rupert watched, her master used her shield to batter the last remaining creature back, then took its head from its shoulders with one quick sweep of her lightsaber. Salandro fell back, catching her breath as the creature slumped to the ground. Rupert hurried over to join her. Minerals, she said, holding up a fistful of the sinister black substance. Master Beren was right. It's like this stuff has replaced all of their organs, all of their bones. Salandro nodded. This must be the miner's curse. Or at least, what it does to people if it's left to run its course. Things on this world are just getting stranger and stranger, said Rock. But I'm glad you're both here. He dabbed at a fresh cut on his forehead, then wiped his hand on his robes. The sooner they got him proper medical attention, the better. Is everyone okay? said Salandro. Rock nodded. I'm all right. Salandro dropped to a crouch, 
putting her hand on Rupert's shoulder. Rupert, I know this is a lot to take in. Yes, I'm okay, said Rupert. Salandro studied her for a moment, then nodded. Good, then let's keep going. There might be more of them out here, and we still need to get back to Obik. They were just about to resume their run when the comlink crackled to life in Rupert's pack. She saw Salandro glance over. The voice was muffled and broken by static, but it was instantly recognizable. Obik! Rupert dropped her pack off her shoulder and fished around inside for the comlink. She brought it up to her mouth. Obik? It's Rupert. We're here. Can you hear me? Thank the stars, said Obik. Rupert could hear EX-9B beeping away in the background. Yes, yes, Nibs. They're okay. A pause. Yes, we're fine. But we need to tell you something urgent, Obik. It's not safe on the ship. Relic, said Obik, cutting her off. I know. That's why I've been trying to reach you. Kim and Amos must have finally got the comms working again. Salandro beckoned to Rupert, who handed her the comm link. What's happened, Obik? Relic attacked me and Nibs. Came Obik's crackling reply. Are you okay? Said Salandro. A bit sore, said Obik. But we managed to overpower him and tie him up. Listen, Salandro, he's the one behind all of this. He's been harvesting minerals to sell to the warring planets for a profit. And he set those creatures free. While his own people suffered, said Ruper. Unbelievable. It's worse. He was the one who sent Rock and the others to their deaths. He led them into a trap. We know, said Salandro. We found Rock. He made it out, the only one. That's what we were rushing to tell you when we couldn't get you on the comms. Rock? Is he there? Said Obik. I'm here, said Rock. It's good to hear your voice. And I'm sorry for what happened. But I must ask, can you remember the way to the mines in the ruined city? Yes, said Rock. Of course. Good. Because Willick sent Deatrix and Midic there. For the same reason. It's a trap. He sent them to their deaths. He paused, catching his breath. You have to find them before it's too late. EX-9B issued a series of bleeps in the background. Rupert looked to Rock and then Salandro. She didn't need to hear their agreement to know what they were thinking. She took the comlink back from Salandro. We're on our way to the ruined city now, Obik. Leave it with us. You keep Relic there. I'm sure the Catacoot are going to want some answers from him when we get back to Abadas. Understood. And Rupert? Yes? Be careful. The comlink went dead. Chapter 29 They'd left the room with the tapestries some time ago, and now Doss, Spence, Deatrix, and Midic had come to a vast central chamber at the very heart of the ancient city. Here, an immense circular pit had been cored out of the very heart of the cliff, like a well shaft about a kilometer across and with no obvious bottom. Carved staircases wound around the wall of the shaft, descending in a spiral like the grooves on a screw. There was no sign of a rail. At various intervals, the smooth sides of the shaft were punctuated with hollowed-out recesses and tunnel entrances. A soft orange glow appeared to originate from somewhere deep inside the shaft, giving everything a strange warmth that seemed at odds with the chill air and the unwelcoming atmosphere of the place. They stood in a line at the edge of the shaft, peering down. Das was already starting to feel unwell at the sight of the immense drop, and he took a step back, clinging to his dad's elbow to keep himself steady. His shoulder was still throbbing where the monster had scratched him, but he tried to put it out of mind. The power and engineering skills it must have taken to hollow out a cliff, said Spence, awestruck. It's incredible. 
Clearly my ancestors weren't quite as primitive as I thought, said Midic. She looked down. That must lead to the mines. Where the others went missing, added Deatrix. We can't go down there, said Doss. Those steps don't look very safe. We're lucky there are steps at all, said Deatrix. For a species who could fly, it's very considerate. Perhaps they were added later, by the miners who reopened the works down here, suggested Spence. There must be another way in and out, said Doss. They had to ferry out the mineral loads they dug out from the tunnels to those containers outside. They won't have hauled them all up here, flying or otherwise. You're right, said Deatrix. Good thinking. That could be a useful exit for us, too, if we can find it. But we're here now. She glanced at Midic, who nodded, then looked at Doss and Spence. The offer still stands. If you want to go back, you can wait for us where we came in. No, said Doss. I can do it. Just... Let's take it slow, okay? Oh, I won't be hurrying down those steps, said Deatrix. Don't you worry, she was grinning again, and Doss wondered where she found all that enthusiasm. It was infectious. Being there with her and Midic, it made him believe he could do things he'd never even imagined. Like walk down a set of ancient stone steps into a bottomless pit without even a rail to hang on to. He swallowed and followed Deatrix slowly down the first flight. Go steady, son, said Spence over Doss's shoulder. I'm right behind you. Doss tried to focus on Deatrix's back, refusing to glance down at the yawning chasm to his right. Just one step after the other, and then the one after that, every step taking him back towards solid ground. It's not so bad, really, he said. Uh, said Deatrix. What? Doss felt a prickle of fear. What is it? Deatrix was drawing her blaster. I think we found your monsters, she said. She leveled the weapon and began firing down into the chasm. The screech of the blasts was so loud it seemed to drown out Doss's thoughts. He chewed on his lower lip, and then... Knowing that he had no choice, he braved a look over the edge. Four of the creatures were flying up out of the shaft toward them, twisting on the updrafts, their leathery wings billowing. They looked just like the ones he'd fought outside their camp, and just as fearsome. Burning sun, cursed Medic. Behind Das, Spence was readying his makeshift prod. Dad, pass it here, said Das. Don't worry, son, said Spence. I've got this. Dad, said Doss, thrusting out his hand. They're coming up. That means they're going to reach me first. I need to protect Deatrix so she can keep on shooting. As he spoke, one of the monsters struck the wall, falling into a spiraling tumble. A blaster hole punched through its chest. Streamers of fine black crystals followed it down. That's not blood, said Deatrix through gritted teeth. Whatever it is, I'm happy to see it, said Spence. If it means we're not going to get torn apart... He shoved the prod into Doss's hand. Go on, Doss. Do your worst. Doss swiveled, bringing the crackling end of the prod around and down, striking one of the screeching monsters just as it reared up over the lip of the stairs its talons grabbing for Deatrix. The end of the prod struck it hard between the eyes, and the monster shuddered, wheeling back as the electrical charge seemed to shock it into inaction. Its wings folded and it fell back, twisting in the air as it went. But more were coming from below, dozens of them, in a near-endless stream. Deatrix's blaster whined, but it obviously wasn't enough. There's too many of them! Doss jabbed at another one, sending it careening away, only for it to recover and swim back up through the air, hissing angrily, its dark eyes glittered like crystals. We need to fall back, called Medic. There's no way we can fight them all. No, said Deatrix. 
If we turn our backs on them, we're done for. They'll drag us down. We need a more defensible position. Doss cast his eyes around, still jabbing wildly with the prod. He felt a surge of sudden resistance, and then he was being pulled forward toward the edge of the steps. He saw that one of the creatures had managed to grab hold of the other end of the prod and had planted its feet against the side of the shaft, batting its wings to maintain its hold as it tried to yank him over. Frantic, Doss tottered near the edge, trying to gain enough purchase with his heels to stop himself being dragged forward. But the creature was too strong. The prod slipped in his grip. He felt hands closing around his upper arms, pulling him back. I've got you, son. Let it go. But... Let it go. Doss released his grip on the prod. The creature jerked back unexpectedly as the prod was suddenly released, jamming it hard into its own chest. The electricity discharged, and the creature went rigid, falling away like a dropped stone and smashing into another flying creature as it went down, sending them both spinning toward the orange glare. Others darted out of their way as they rose from the endless depths. The prod tumbled after them, disappearing into the darkness of the shaft. Quickly, in here! Doss spun around to see Deatrix, who'd managed to reach the bottom of the first flight of stairs and had hopped across into the mouth of a small opening or tunnel set into the side of the shaft. I can keep them busy while you see if there's another way out. Doss hurried after her, kicking out at a clutching hand as he ran. He could hear Spence and Middick following. He stopped at the bottom of the steps. There was a gap between the last step and the lip of the entrance. Come on! bellowed Deatrix. She raised her blaster and shot one of the monsters that had been rising up behind him. More were coming. Many, many more. Make the jump! Doss met her gaze. And then he jumped. Chapter 30 This is it, called Rock. Just ahead. The three Jedi barreled across the fractured landscape, past three huge containers and the rusted hulks of old mining machinery, and into the shadow of the ancient city. Rupert could hardly believe the scale of the place, or the age. It looked like it had been there for a thousand years or more, the chiseled stone eroded by the weather until all the edges were blunt, making it seem out of focus. She could see where a crane had been used to gain entrance to one of the lower levels. That had to be it. Over there, she called, gasping for breath. That must be where they went in. Solandro nodded and raced toward the old vehicle, streaking ahead of Rupert and Rock. For a moment... Rupert thought her master was going to use the crane's extended arm as a ramp to run up to the entrance. But instead she simply jumped, flinging herself up with the power of the force. She arced through the air to an impossible height, landing perfectly on the stone ledge by the archway without even kicking up a cloud of dust. Rock glanced at Rupert as he followed suit, circling closer to the cliff and bending his knees slightly before he launched himself up to join Salandro. Rupert had managed to make a jump that high only once before, during training on the moon of Baroth, and that had taken her at least five attempts. This time, her friends' lives depended on her making it in one. She took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and bounded. They were in trouble, and Doss couldn't see a way out of it. There was nowhere to go, and they had only one blaster among the four of them, against hordes of the monstrous creatures each of which seemed intent on tearing Doss and the others to shreds. The hollowed-out entrance Deatrix had found was a dead end, little more than a deep alcove where the rock had been scooped out to create a small space. Doss had no idea of its original purpose, but he was quickly coming to see it as the place where he was going to die. He could hardly believe it. So soon after being rescued, too, no cobbled-together distress beacon was going to help them now. Deatrix stood in the opening at the front of the alcove, still firing away with her blaster, 
sending scattered clouds of black crystals blooming into the air with every shot. The monsters were full of the stuff, and they kept coming. The minerals have infected their entire bodies, said Midduk. She sounded appalled. This cannot be the legacy of my people. Deatrix cried out, staggering back into the alcove, the flesh of her forearm torn and bleeding where one of the creatures had tried to rake the blaster from her grip. Midduk quickly stepped forward, grabbing the weapon from Deatrix's hands and taking her place. The alcove entrance was a storm of thrashing limbs as the monsters tried to draw ever closer and succeeded. Deatrix fell back, leaning against the wall, hissing in pain. What can we do to help? said Das. Deatrix just shook her head, tearing a strip from her uniform to wrap around her wounded arm. Das understood her meaning all too well. It'll be over soon. No use worrying about it. I love you, Dad, said Das, clutching Spence's arm. I'm sorry, son. Doss felt his heart breaking. You've nothing to be sorry for. It's like I said before, we'd never have ended up stuck here on this planet in the first place if it wasn't for me. I should never have trusted Sunshine Dobbs. I should never... Spence hung his head. I should have kept my promise to your mother. You did, Dad. You kept it. Looking after me doesn't just mean protecting me from harm. You show me the stars. There are people out there who live their entire lives on one world, in one city, in one house. Because of you, I've stood under different suns and watched starships breaching hyperspace. I've had adventures and met droids, dozens of different species, and, and I've learned that it's okay to be scared, but that you shouldn't let it stop you doing the right thing anyway. Spence looked at him with watery eyes. I'm proud of you, son. So proud. Doss swallowed. If we get out of this, Dad, I want to be a Pathfinder, like Deatrix. I want to help people. I know we're a team. And I like prospecting, but... Spence bundled him into a tight hug. You can be whatever you want to be, Doss. And you'll be brilliant at it, too. Doss closed his eyes. Any minute now. And then Midic was shouting, but not in alarm, in relief. Doss opened his eyes to see the multicolored blur of lightsabers whooshing through the air beyond the alcove, flitting among the screeching monsters. The Jedi had arrived. The shaft was buzzing like a hive, filled with an entire swarm of the monsters, all of them with the same glistening black eyes all of them infected with the poison minerals, their minds long overwritten and reshaped. He seemed fixated on a small alcove at the bottom of some steps, where Midic stood in the entrance, defending herself with a blaster. Ruper knew that Deatrix had to be down there too, as well as some others she could sense through the force. People she didn't know, people who were scared. Time to be that shield. Salandro had run ahead, circling the lip of the immense shaft. As Ruper watched, she flipped into the air and dived, her shield flaring to life as her lightsaber ignited. Her lightsaber whooshed, spilling dark crystals as she launched herself from the back of one creature to the next, using them like stepping stones as she worked to slow their frenzied assault on the alcove. Rock headed for the stairs perhaps too injured to risk such a bold and athletic move, or perhaps reading Salandro's intentions and attempting to clear an escape route for the trapped people below. Rupert could see what she had to do, with Salandro slowing the tide of creatures coming up from below and Rock defending the steps. Midic and the others needed Rupert's support at the alcove. She took a running start and leapt into the chasm, but the creature she'd been aiming for wise to what Salandro had been doing, ducked to the right, swerving Ruper's jump so she missed her anticipated footing and tumbled past, arms wheeling. For a moment, she felt as if the entire world had fallen away beneath her, and she was simply going to drop 
and keep on dropping until she hit the bottom of the shaft. But then her feet struck something solid, the outer rim of Salandro's shield, which was hovering beneath her in midair, and she was springing up onto the back of one of the shrieking monsters, riding it back up the shaft toward the morass at the top. She caught Salandro's eye for a fleeting moment, and then her master was gone again, lost amid the thrashing limbs of the beasts. They were nearing the top of the shaft, and the creature was bucking and writhing beneath her, trying to claw her off its back. Rupert's lightsabers crossed, and the creature fell silent, minerals showering from the wound like spilled sand. She threw herself forward, following Salandro's lead, and bounding across the backs of the creatures as she whipped her lightsabers around herself in a protective circle. Within moments, she had landed in the mouth of the alcove beside Midic, who grinned at her appreciatively. You took your time, said the catacoot mischievously. She raised her blaster and fired off another shot, sending one of the creatures spiraling back into a knot of its vile kin. Rupert planted her feet, forcing back more of them with every sweep of her lightsabers. It looks as though you had it under control. She said, laughing. Salandro was still moving like a blur, her lightsaber singing, her shield whipping back and forth in a protective arc around her. Rocket cleared the steps and stood with his back to the wall, keeping the creatures at bay. How did you know where to find us? said Deatrix from deeper inside the alcove. Her voice sounded tight and controlled. A quick glance back told Rupert she was injured. Behind Deatrix, a man and a boy were staring at Rupert with wide eyes. Long story, but we're getting you out of here. What about the other team? said Deatrix. We found Rock, Rupert called over her shoulder, shouting above the noise of her singing lightsabers. She didn't add that the others were dead. That could wait. Who did you find? Spence Lefbrook, said the man at the back. And Doss added the boy we're prospectors we got stranded here Rupert whipped her lightsabers around fending off another thrusting attack it was beginning to work the combined efforts of the Jedi along with the constant bark of Midic's blaster were driving the monsters back stranded here said Rupert that's a story I want to hear when we're back on the ship she glanced at the boy and grinned are you ready to run? He nodded. Good. When I say, you run back up those steps and you don't stop running until you reach the crane, okay? Okay, Doss and Spence said together. Deatrix? prompted Rupert. On it, said the pilot. Same for you, Medic. We've got you covered. Thank you, Jedi. Thank me when we're safely back on Abadas. Rupert grunted, pivoted, and altered her stance to drive the swarming creatures back, away from the steps. She glanced at Rock, who nodded. All right, called Rupert. Go! Behind her, the others burst into action, hurtling for the steps. Rock was there to greet them, and he perched on the lower steps, his lightsaber flashing as he covered their retreat. Rupert watched him back up the steps behind them until he reached the edge of the shaft. Master! Rupert bellowed as she followed Rock, leaping backward across the gap to land on the steps and then hurrying up behind him. And possibly, the creatures were still swarming up the shaft. Rupert reached Rock's side, and a glance told her Deatrix and the others had already made their escape down the narrow passageway leading from the chamber. Thank the stars. Now they just had to make it back to the Umberfall. She turned back to the shaft. Salandro had made it to the opposite side of the circular mouth, her shield back on her arm, and she was using it to batter away more of the creatures as she hurried around to join them. We need to find a way to seal them in, she called through gasping breaths. She was sporting several fresh cuts on her arms and face. Luckily, they all appeared to be superficial. She skidded to a halt beside Rupert. Below, one of the creatures gave a shrill shriek. They'd be coming again, in force at any moment. 
There could be endless kilometers of mine shafts down there, said Rog. We've no way of knowing where they're coming from. Then we'll just have to seal this shaft, said Salandro. But it's huge, said Ruper. How? Talent arms were beginning to appear over the edge of the shaft. Rupert could hear the hissing of dozens of the creatures. The dark malevolence of their presence was like a constant pressure in the back of her mind. Salandro looked up. We bring the ceiling down. Rock gaped at her. We do what? We're shutting this place down permanently. The Republic engineers will provide the Catacoot with a new energy source. And there's enough minerals in those three containers out there to get them by in the meantime. One of the creatures had made it up over the lip. Rupert's lightsabers blazed as she sent it back where it came from. Incoming! She said. All right, said Rock, nodding. But you better be ready to run, Salandro, and fast. Rupert? I'm with you, Master. Rupert backed away from the edge. Give it everything you have, Padawan. Salandro closed her eyes. Her breathing steadied. She reached out her hands. On Rupert's right, Rock was doing the same. Rupert glanced at the creatures coming up over the lip of the shaft. With a gulp, she extinguished her lightsabers. Trust in the Force. She closed her eyes. Colors swirled around her, but they seemed so small and insignificant against the black pit at the center of the chamber, awash with ill feeling and dark intent. The minerals, or whatever they really were, had destroyed anything that was once good about these ancient ancestors of the Catacoot. She felt the pull of her fellow Jedi, reaching out to the rocks, calling them down, and she joined that chorus, lending all she could of her strength. She heard the rock crack, it was like the roar of the world being sundered. Rupert opened her eyes. The ceiling of the chamber had split down the middle, yawning open in a massive sinister grin. As she watched, a hunk of it the size of a small shuttle broke free, tumbling down into the shaft, dragging the swarming creatures in its wake. The floor seemed to shift beneath her feet, tilting like the deck of a speeder. More cracking sounds split the air, Dust rained from above, and then another massive chunk of rock broke free, smashing against the far edge of the shaft before rolling down into the abyss below. Rupert felt a hand on her shoulder, and looked around to see Salandro's face close to her own. Rupert, run! Rupert ran. As she barreled through the tunnels and passageways of the ancient city, it felt to Rupert like the world was ending. The ground kept shaking beneath her feet, and more than once, she thought that she was running forward only to realize that forward was now up as the entire city lurched. All the mine shafts beneath it were beginning to cave in, collapsing the foundations on which the massive structure was resting. The air was thick with billowing dust and debris causing Rupert's lungs to sting with every indrawn breath. The whole city was coming down around them. As she bounced painfully against a wall, she felt something hard roll against the side of her boot. She glanced down to see it was the hilt of an unfamiliar lightsaber. Frowning, she scooped it up and slipped it into the folds of her robes. And then she was running again for all her life. Charging toward the exit through which she hoped Deatrix and the others had already reached safety. Chapter 31 Doss ran, holding his father's hand, pulling him along. Behind them, the ancient city had begun to collapse, folding in on itself as if someone had kicked out the supports that were holding the place upright. Worse, the rumbling had begun to travel, too, sending quakes and aftershocks radiating out through the network of mine shafts that perforated most of the surrounding area. The ground beneath them shuddered and shook as they ran. Doss knew the mine shafts were liable to start subsiding at any moment, meaning they'd all get swallowed in the massive wave of destruction rolling out from the dying city. 
Hurry, Dad! He called, but his words were lost beneath the groaning thunder of the tumbling rocks. Ahead, Deatrix was sprinting, leading the way, with Mitic just a few paces behind. They were heading for the Pathfinder ship. Parked at the refinery, he could see on the horizon, its tall metal gantries like distant pointing fingers. Doss just hoped they could make it in time. He risked a glance back, and his spirits lifted to see the three Jedi running in a line toward them. They'd all made it out, just. The ground behind the Jedi was folding, rumpling like a sheet as a wave of splintering rock rose toward an enormous crest. Doss fixed his eyes on the horizon and ran as hard as his legs would carry him. The comm unit crackled to life with an urgent bark of static. Obik was already on his feet, peering out the viewport as the ground around the Umberfall started to shake with violent tremors. As he watched, the foundations of one of the metal gantries gave way, the stone beneath its feet rending open to expose the mining tunnels beneath. The tower toppled, crashing into its neighbor with a terrible clang. He thumped the receiver on the comms. Deatrix? Her response came amid a series of sharp breaths. Obik! Fire up the engines! We're all coming! And we're in a hurry! She sounded desperate, as if she was running. Are you okay? The mines were a trap. Rupert and the others... Obik's hands were already dancing over the ship's flight instruments. I'm on it. Hey, Obik? Yes? Open the bay doors. We won't have time to stop. The comm went dead just as another of the gantry towers groaned and toppled, the ground opening to swallow it whole. Said EX-9B ominously. Obik took a deep breath and let it out. What was happening out there? In the Umber Falls medical bay, Rillick felt the ship lurch as the whole world seemed to tilt to the left. Those idiots. They were ruining everything. Were they destroying the mines? Blowing them up? Weren't the Jedi supposed to help people? Instead, they were going to kill them all. And worse, he was going to lose everything. Those three containers of raw minerals would sell for millions of credits. It was everything he'd been working for. His final legacy, before the miner's curse finished him off. He'd sacrificed all those people's lives. Now it was time to collect his reward. Not to die in a prison cell, or tied up in the back of a Republic ship as the world ended around him. He glanced down at the cables binding his wrists. His vision swam. Was that the after-effect of the shock the droid had given him? Or was it... No. It can't be. Not yet. He craned his neck to peer around the hold. There was no sign of the medic or the droid. This was his only chance. He had to get out there and save his investment. He wouldn't allow it to end like this. He raised his hands to his mouth and began gnawing frantically on the cables, ignoring the taste of fresh blood. And something else, something oily and crunchy, as the exposed wires bit into his lips. They were almost there. Rupert could see the Umberfall sitting on the landing pad in the midst of the collapsing refinery. Its bay door open, its engines roaring. Behind them, the ancient city's collapse was near complete, but the waves of aftershock were tearing up thousands of years' worth of mine shafts, causing the planet's surface to buckle and shift, falling away beneath every hurried step. If it wasn't for the force pushing them onward, Rupert knew that she and the other Jedi would have been swallowed among those churning rocks well before. Ahead of her, Deatrix, Midic, Doss, and Spence were closing on the ship. Another few steps. That was all they needed. We're going to make it. 
We're going to... She caught movement out of the corner of her eye. Something dark and tall, and... Rupert's heart thrummed. Oh, no. One of the creatures had escaped and was closing on Doss and Spence. The father and son were so fixated on reaching the ship that they hadn't even seen it coming. Doss! Doss! Rupert bellowed. But her voice was just a whisper compared with the roar of the rending rock. There was nothing she could do. No way of reaching them in time. Rillick couldn't believe it. The foolish medic had even left the bay doors open. Fighting through his wrist bindings had proved simple, if painful. And once free, he'd been able to untie his ankles in a matter of moments. He hadn't bothered to scoop up a weapon or confront Obig. There wasn't time for that. But he hadn't expected to be able to just saunter off the ship as if nothing had happened, either. He shrugged, spitting blood. It seemed strangely gritty, and hurried down the ramp into the chill gloom beyond. His legs felt oddly leaden, and the vision in his right eye was still hazy and blurred, as if he were looking through a thousand eyes at once. But he was alive. That was all that mattered. The noise out there was incredible, as if Gloam itself were screaming, as if the planet were dying, its body thrashing as it tried desperately to cling to life. The ground was shifting like the surface of a lake in a violent storm, pitching one way, then another, cracking and falling away in every direction. For the first time, Rillick wondered if his escape plan had been the right move after all, but then how else was he going to get his credits? He stepped onto the shaky ground just as a group of people came hurtling toward him out of the chaos. Midic was there, as well as the Republic woman, Deatrix, along with two other humans he didn't recognize. He saw Midic look at him, her eyes wide. She raised her hand to point. Her mouth was moving as she shouted something incomprehensible under the noise of the collapsing tunnels. Probably alerting the others to his escape. Well, he wasn't sticking around for that. He took a lurching step, but his legs didn't seem to want to respond. He peered down at his feet, which remained firmly rooted to the spot. He frowned. Why wouldn't they do as they were told? He tried again, but still, his legs refused to move. Rillick felt a sudden surge of panic. He could see that the ends of his toes had started to split apart, the tips of shining black talons emerging, pushing out painfully through the broken skin. Around them, the blood looked dark and strange, more like tiny black crystals than... Oh no, not this, not now. It was happening, he felt it, like a cold grip tightening its hold inside him as if something other than him was beginning to take control of his body. The minerals. The miner's curse. He was beginning to transform into one of them. He opened his mouth, but the scream wouldn't come. And then he saw it. The monster swimming out of the darkness, bounding toward him, fangs bared. And the only thought running through his head was, what about my credits? Rupert watched in horror as the creature lurched toward Rillick, who'd inexplicably run out of the ship and then frozen on the spot, directly in its path. Something was happening to the catacoot. His body was twitching, wings spread out and thrashing as if he was fighting some sort of eternal battle for supremacy of his own body. His face was set in a terrified snarl, and one eye had ghosted over, black and glossy to resemble the glittering dead eyes of the monsters. This was the miner's curse. The minerals that had infested his body beginning their terrible transformation. Rupert shuddered. It was too awful to contemplate. But perhaps there was still time. Perhaps Rillick could still be saved and brought to justice. The others had skidded to a halt at the bottom of the ramp, looking on in appalled fascination. Doss was averting his eyes. Salandro, Rock, and Rupert closed on them. Rupert's lightsabers flared. Go! 
she bellowed, turning to face Rillick and the creature. I'll cover you. Rock, said Salandro. Get them onto the ship. She appeared at Rupert's side, shield raised, lightsaber in hand. Her expression was grim, determined. Behind them, Rock was bundling the others up the ramp. The monster clomped to a stop before Rillick's tortured form. It raised its head and sniffed the air inquisitively around him, and then, with a snarl, turned its head and peered at the two defiant Jedi. The ship's engines roared as the Umberfall began to lift slowly off the landing pad. Rupert's grip tightened on her lightsaber hilts, and then the creature turned and lumbered away. Rillick watched it go, pain and confusion clouding his features. It had recognized him as one of its own. For a moment, Rupert watched it lurch away into the darkness, and she took a step toward Rillick. Closer, she could see the torment etched on his face. He looked terrified. Help me, he muttered, and the words seemed to cost him every ounce of fight he had left. He buckled at the waist, screeching in pain. Of course we'll help, said Rupert, powering down her lightsaber and hurrying to his side. We're Jedi. She stepped closer, looping her arm around Rillick's hunched shoulders and pulling him into a tight embrace. His body felt hot to the touch. Obik would have to work quickly to help him, if help was even possible. Ready? called Salandro. She was already turning back toward the rising ship. Rupert nodded. Ready! They leapt, using the force to propel themselves up onto the boarding ramp as the ship began to bank. They slid into the hold, Rupert still clutching Rillick close to her as Deatrix, who had clearly found her way to the flight controls, sent the ship careening away from the devastation. Around them, the refinery was folding in on itself. Gantries and towers collapsing as the ground opened in every direction. The Umberfall corkscrewed, gaining speed as they weaved through fallen crossbeams, tumbling docking stations, and buckled storage tanks. And then they were away, flying clear of the debris and up into the atmosphere, leaving Gloam and whatever monstrous things had once inhabited it far behind. Chapter 32 Two days later In Diurna, the Catacouf were in a celebratory mood. The previous couple of days had passed in a blur of activity. Midic was already overseeing the recovery of the three buried mining containers from outside the wreckage of the ancient city. The last of the minerals that would ever be used by the Catacouf to power their home. They would see them through their crisis until the Republic engineers arrived to install a solar power source. Kiddick had been in touch with the Republic ever since communications had come back online, and the delegation was already on its way. Now, Rupert was sitting on a moss-covered rock with Dawes, at the foot of one of the gushing waterfalls on the edge of the huge cavern that contained the Catacoot City. When we get to Batu, you won't forget about us, will you? said Dawes. Rupert turned to grin at the boy. Well, I'm not sure. What was your name again? He punched her lightly on the arm. You know what I mean. You don't have to worry, said Rupert. We'll be there. And Deatrix? You think she'll talk to me about what it's like to be a Pathfinder? I mean, I'll never be a Jedi. But I think I could maybe be a pilot like her. I think you'll make an excellent pilot, she said. Everything had been agreed. Once they were finished on Abydos and the Republic engineers had arrived to oversee things, Rupert, Solandro, Ovik, Deatrix, and the droids would escort Spence and Dawes to Batu, where they could start making plans to recover their ship, the Silver Streak, from where it had been left on their so-called Paradise Planet to await repairs. The Pathfinder team would spend some much-needed time on Batu giving Obik a proper chance to heal from the head wound inflicted on him by Rillick, and the others time to reflect on what had happened on Gloam. Rupert was looking forward to passing some time meditating, 
training at the small Jedi research temple there. Salandro, on the other hand, would finally make her pilgrimage to Jeddah for the Season of Light. She'd asked Ruper if she wanted to come, and while it sounded exciting, Ruper had decided there would be time for such things later. For now, she wanted some peace. She supposed it was a first time for everything. Ruper turned at the sound of footsteps. Hello, Master, she said. Salandro smiled. You two look as thick as thieves. Everything okay? Ruper rolled her eyes. Of course. Doss laughed, nudging her in the ribs. Parents, eh? He muttered. He turned to Salandro. Everything's great. My dad is already making big plans for once we get our ship back. And he's promised me I can train to be a pilot, too. I'm pleased to hear it, said Salandro. The Catacoot are planning to throw a party this evening, to thank us for our help. She glanced at Ruper. We should be there. It's a great honor. Ruper nodded. Of course. She watched the luminous water tumbling down the inside of the cavern wall, foaming as it churned into the river below. Do you think they're going to be okay? The catacoot? said Salandro. Yes, I do. The first stage of finding help is asking for it, and they've already taken that step. The power situation can be resolved, and perhaps then they can even start healing Gloam, too. And what about Rillic? Salandro looked pained. She shook her head. Obik was able to slow the transformation, but it had already progressed too far. Rillic will be kept comfortable, but there's nothing anyone can do. She smiled. Still, the things Opik has learned from studying Rillick's case means he's been able to accelerate the work he was already doing on a cure. His treatment for the Miner's Curse is showing positive results. Most of his current patients will make a full recovery. Ruper smiled. She nudged Doss. Then I think a party is just the right thing, don't you? Doss laughed. I'm not sure I've ever been to a party. Not one like that. You're going to love it, said Ruper. A thought occurred to her. She looked at Salandro. Where's Rock? The Jedi Master had spent the past couple of days receiving medical treatment for the wounds and malnourishment he'd suffered on Gloam. But Ruper had since seen him up and about again, exploring Diurna. He's up on the surface, said Salandro, waiting for the other Pathfinder team that's coming to collect him. Ruper frowned. So, he's not coming with us to Batu? Salandro shook her head. Rock has his own path to follow. Ruper jumped down from the boulder. Then I'd better go and find him, she said. I want to make sure I say goodbye. She turned to Dawes. See you at the party? I'm counting on it, he replied. She found Rock standing on the edge of the gully, right where they'd first encountered Midic and the other Catacoot. He looked thoughtful as he studied the sky, waiting for the other Pathfinder ship to come in. Ruper sidled up beside him. He didn't turn to look at her when he spoke. Hey, kid. I hear you're leaving. Rock shrugged. Moving on, I guess. Like we all must. He turned to look down at her, and there was sadness in his eyes. Although, I admit, it's not going to be easy. Ruper nodded. I owe you my thanks. You saved my life. Isn't that what we do? Said Ruper, with a lopsided grin. Help people? Salandra was proud of you, Ruper. You'll make a fine night someday. Ruper felt her cheeks flush. That day still seemed a long way off. They stood in companionable silence for a few moments. Then Ruper reached into her robes. I've got something for you, she said. She held it out. After a moment, Rock looked down. That's... He cleared his throat, choked with sudden emotion. That's Malik's lightsaber. Ruper nodded and gestured for him to take it. He did, holding it in both hands. I found it in the ruins as we were fleeing, she said. I guessed... Well, I thought you might want it. For a moment, Rock didn't say anything. 
Then he slipped the lightsaber hilt into a pocket of his own robes and patted Rupert gently on the shoulder. Thank you. I shall use it to honor him. I think he would have liked that, said Rupert. From somewhere below, there was the sound of a scuffle. Rupert looked down into the gully to see a blue-skinned Twi'lek and a green-skinned Thelon peering up at them, Cam and Amos. They seemed excited. Amos cupped his hands around his mouth when he saw her looking. Come on, you'll miss it, he shouted. Miss what? called Rupert. Haven't you heard? replied Cam. The war is over. Iram and Arena are going to sign a peace treaty. The party's starting early. Rupert could hear the excitement in their voices. The war was over. Now that really was something worth celebrating. She glanced at Rock. You coming? He shook his head. No, not right now. But you go. Have fun. You've earned it. Rupert started to turn and then hesitated. Will I see you again? Rock looked down at her and beamed. I've no doubt about it, he said. Your adventure is only just beginning. And yours? There's life in me yet, he said. Now go, go on, before those two comms engineers come up here and drag you there themselves. Rupert turned and started down the path, back down the side of the gully. Perhaps Rock was right. She'd come to Abadas looking for excitement, but she was leaving knowing that the real adventure wasn't so much about scary monsters and exciting battles, but about the people she'd met along the way. Out on the frontier, there were so many people who needed her help, and in that way, her adventure really was just beginning. Rupert smiled and looked up at the clear sky, imagining all the worlds beyond that pale horizon. She couldn't wait to see which one of them she'd visit next. Star Wars The High Republic Quest for the Hidden City Written by George Mann Narrated by Subhadra Nguyen Text Copyright 2022 Lucasfilm Limited Production Copyright 2022 Lucasfilm Limited Thank you for listening.